0: and realize that your infertility might have nothing to do with your lady bits. Rooted in functional medicine and personal experience, finding fertility is all about looking at the whole body and finding the root cause of your infertility. Finding fertility does not diagnose, prescribe, or treat any issues of infertility, but what we do is take a holistic approach and improve your diet and your lifestyle to get you steps closer to creating your dream family just by being here with me listening to this podcast you're already going down the right path to making your dreams come true let's do this together
1: happy friday oh welcome back to another episode of finding fertility we are back with sarah clark hello sarah Excited to be here. You have been on this podcast quite a lot. You have definitely popped my podcast cherry and given me the confidence to go off on my own. But I wanted to bring you back because I've actually never had you on as a guest and really dive into your story and how you are now helping women who are in similar positions. Thanks for being here. So, I mean, thanks for having me. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome for me being here. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little
2: bit about your journey. So my journey, so I, in my early 20s, I had irregular cycles and I'd get my period a couple times a year. I thought that was a good thing. At the time, I also had some yeast infections. I started getting acne in my early 20s. And previously in my teens, I had no acne. So the irregular cycles, the yeast infections, the acne, and I had this weird fungal rash in my chest. So I was, I'm a big planner, had this life plan of like getting married at 25 and have my kids at 28. So when all this stuff was going on I, with my health, my early 20s, first line of defense went to my, um, my, my OB. So I just put on the birth control pill. So at 25, I started planning on getting married at 25 and then wanting to have my children at 28. So got married at 25. And then just before 28, went off the pill. My, par- my cycles were still irregular, so I thought I'd better get in and get this checked out. So I went to see my OBGYN and was told I had premature ovarian failure or premature ovarian insufficiency, as it's now called. And was told the only way I'd ever have children was using donor eggs. I remember her reaching up on her shelf there and grabbing the IVF brochure and really off I went. And I didn't take any time to, I didn't get a second opinion. I didn't take any time to grieve. I was like, oh, okay, I better go and get on the list for donor eggs. So went on the list for donor eggs, went through that, that process. They were giving us the, back then they gave us the donors profiles uh, in the mail. So waited for that to come. And so we were lucky enough on the first fresh transfer to have our daughter. And Ava's about to turn 19. So this is back in the day when, you know, I'd say donor eggs and people are like, I don't even, I don't even know what that is. And now we've got embryo donation and embryo adoption because of all the, all the IVFs that, are, that people are going through. eggs are becoming more common, but still, it's not something that some people still don't, don't know about it. And so then we had two embryos left over, wanted to have our kids close together. And I was on a, on a mission to have them close together. So after the year went in and those embryos didn't work. So then we went on a separate list for a separate donor. And then three years later, we were lucky enough to have our son. And so fast forward, after I, had, after I had my daughter, I remember getting like nine colds, every cold went into a science infection. I thought it was a great idea to take antibiotics for every cold, it completely destroyed all my, my beneficial bacteria in my gut. I started getting chronic bladder infections, was peeing blood, became allergic to all the antibiotics. I started getting chronic yeast infections. I had toenail infections, vertigo seasonal allergies, dandruff, acne was like, I felt it was bad. It was on my chin, like cystic acne. And, and I caught every cold and flu that went by and just my immune system was, was very low. And at that point I was still in the corporate environment in HR and I wanted to bring life coaching into the, into HR. And so took a life coaching course, had my own personal wake up call and then discovered, uh, decided to take health and wellness. I took a health coaching course and that's when I discovered had these food sensitivities. I took out dairy and gluten and later corn. And lo and behold, the, the bladder, the sinus, the yeast started to improve. A few years later after that, I did some gut testing, found out I had some gut infections and uh, addressed those. And then also the, all the underlying issue with this was for me, chronic stress. I actually would have said I wasn't stressed out. <laughs> but looking you know But Looking back, I know that I was, but I would have said, hey, I'm not stressed because I was just like this I'm like a doer and just getting stuff done and had just disconnected from my body and no clue. But I didn't discover the functional side of things until in my what, until I was 40. So I was fully in menopause, no longer cycling naturally. And it's really now passionate to help couples that are struggling with you know low AMH or POI, POF, uh, diminished ovarian reserve, and even donor eggs as well, help them either conceive naturally or improve the chances of IVF or donor eggs using the functional approach, which is addressing like like you talk about addressing the, the physical stressors like food sensitivities, gut infections, environmental toxins, and that all important, like that stress piece with the mental emotional side stuff.
1: Such an amazing story in the sense that we are now able to look back at our lives. And you know, we started this podcast like hindsight's a bitch. Our bodies were screaming at us right? Like infertility was like, I always kind of feel lucky that infertility was my major issue, not cancer, not, you know, leukemia, not anything really, you know, like super life threatening. And I feel like it's such an important story because most people with infertility can really relate that they have all these seemingly normal health issues that just get put to the side and I don't know if doctors are getting better now, you know, definitely since your time, definitely a little bit more from my time, but I still see a lot of women just get put in, like, say, oh no, that there's nothing, your health issues have nothing to do with your fertility.
2: That's still the, the conventional model is like a pill for an ill, and really, you know, there's, there's pumping your body full of medication your body wants to survive right now, not procreate. It's it's trying to tell you something. So start addressing those issues. And I just did a podcast episode on secondary infertility on, on my podcast, Get Pretty Naturally, talking about like, if you're after, we see many people that are, you know, they had no issues having their first child, and then the second child, now they're struggling. While there's underlying issues going on like in the postpartum period, maybe you had mood issues, or you had like depression or anxiety or postpartum rage, which you heard about now, or maybe thyroid issues, you know, you got the dry hair, the dry skin, like fatigue that lasts way, way longer than the normal sleep deprived things. So there's all these clues going on and things start to go, start to be imbalanced. And so it's really to to dig deeper. The conventional approach is to diagnose and prescribe. It's, whereas functional side is we dig deeper, we look at all the the stressors and, and alleviate them on the body, like the physical and the mental, emotional it's just a, it's a whole body approach. And we use testing, similar to you, to, to really like test, don't guess. So you're not throwing a dart in a dart board, board in the dark. You're, you, you know where to start. And then you can make those, those foundational changes. Like, I think we all know that diet's important, but we know which diet is right for, for us. We all know that sleep is important, but why haven't we prioritized it? Or why is our sleep it's so dysregulated? Or we have, have insomnia. Like, those are huge clues, and we're pushing our body towards IVF are we really looking at the full, all the blood chemistry? Like have we dug into a full thyroid panel and why is our vitamin D low? And it's not just about looking at the TSH. And then mm-hmm. also um, like the mental emotional side of stuff, which you know, you talk about a lot, Monica, like that whole piece of the chronic stress and digging deeper into mindset issues and blocks. And we include EFT, uh, emotional freedom technique in our, our couples coaching program. And it's it's about, and there's some themes that come up there. That sometimes we, we may feel that our body's broken, that it's not safe. The world's not safe to bring a baby into it. Or like there, there could be some past trauma from maybe a traumatic birth, maybe whatever happened there, or even trauma from childhood. So all that stuff, you know, you, you don't deal with it all at once, but those are healing opportunities that for us to dig into. And I just find the whole thing very empowering. Like you are in charge of your health. You don't need to wait around and spend tens of thousands of dollars on. IVF that you know has a 30% success rate when you could, you know, address the underlying issues. Like why do we spend I heard this from Dr. Ben Lynch, like why do we spend 12 to 18 months planning our wedding and then we think we're gonna get pregnant day one? Like, let's switch that around. Preconception health, it's like the the health of your children, your children's children. It's, it's um like I listened to I was talking to you about this before the the episode before the we started recording uh, Dr. Zach Bush. This guy is just like so, such a smart doctor anyway, fun- functional doctor and into regenerative farming. And he was talking about like the population being actually extinct in the next 60 to 70 years because sperm counts in the, the 1920s and 30s were at a hundred million and now they're down to 40 million. And because of all the environmental toxins that we're exposed to. So like one in three males are having issues with f- fertility. Like this is like a huge, when he's saying 60 to 70 years and people, you know, we're going to be extinct and people are like, oh my God, he's crazy. But that's that handmaid's tale like what's going on here but there is that's like the doom and gloom but there's that there's hope there's things we can do
1: we've both read the book spirit hacking and there's a part in the book and i don't know how you felt when you first heard this part and he addresses infertility and he addresses it in a way of like population control and he's Mm -hmm. like one biggest issues is uh, we're overpopulated like the earth can't handle the amount that humans are growing and then he was like you know if you're dealing with infertility you need to put your ego away and just adopt and i swear to you i flared when he said that i was like yes was
2: i was weird. like
1: one that's not cool <laughs> I was like, it's not that simple. Like, I know that you're spiritual and I know the ego and I get all that. But, you know, for anyone dealing with infertility, um, it, it, it just isn't that simple to just adopt. He's like, that would solve your issue and solve a, like a child without a home issue. I was like, nah, dude, it, it's much more than that. But, you know, just the fact that he brought up the overpopulation. And then when I was going through my journey, I was listening to every health and wellness Podcast at the time that I could get my hands on, and there wasn't an amazing podcast like yours or like mine that were specific to infertility. But it was the bulletproof radio, and I remember yeah. Yeah. Dave talking to someone and how they're yeah. like, "Yeah, I'm not worried about the overpopulation because the infertility rates in men and in women are going up. But unfortunately, there the modern man has a pill in science to rectify that." <laughs> you know, and yep. that's the sad thing is my beliefs are that because we have these amazing technologies to, you know, that are there for very supportive reasons for people who, you know, truly need it, and that's great, but it's getting pushed on many of us who actually don't need it, and we're using it without actually really improving our health, and therefore putting a higher risk of our children's health on the line.
2: Food sensitivities and autism—is it like autism is now like one in twenty? Like it's, it's you know, there's things we can do to optimize our baby and listen to Doctor Zach Bush, and he's talking about glyphosate being sprayed on all of our foods and linked mm-hmm. to infertility and a whole host of other diseases, and just the simple fact of going non-GMO and you know going back to how our grandparents like doing your own farming. Now I'm, I'm not into the, I'm not back to the farming, but I do order, order my box from local farms. But yeah, there's just some of the simple things like the basics that we've strayed away from. And uh, yeah, I think with the fertility clinics, it's like well-meaning educated people trying to help, it's not getting to the root cause of it. And and so you've got people that yeah, you do that and you push it and it works, but the people that that it doesn't and they don't even think there's anything they can do. Oh, wait, I've had four failed IVF's and now oh, you know, I found this approach and it's kind of a last ditch effort and talking to someone yesterday and she's you know, she's 45 and and basically like we looked at her health history and and there was like so many missed healing opportunities. And she's like, why didn't anybody tell me this? I'm like, they're just not trained and they they don't know, and they're just looking at, you know, surface numbers. And this is like digging deeper. And she's now trying to deal with envisioning her life as you know without a child because she feels it's over. Now, at 45, you can still get pregnant, but obviously, you know, the biological, you know, it decreases there. the older you get. We don't need to say that, but there's still a possibility. But you know, just the just the grief and pain and trauma associated with with all with having so many failed cycles and miscarriages and loss. Yeah,
1: Yeah, definitely. There's, I think we talked about it on another podcast. Oh yeah, just with Carrie. You know, the whole like, you know, moving through all these failures when you're just focusing on getting pregnant, right? You, You just feel like you're failing all the time, whether it's, you know, not getting pregnant that month, a failed IVF, a miscarriage. And and not, when you're focusing on your health, um, it's not always rainbows and sunshines. And yes, you are not going to get pregnant every single month, or you still can have miscarriages and you can still have IVFs. I'm a perfect example for that. But, you know, when you are working on your health physically and mentally, you can focus on all your small wins as well. And they really add up because I don't think we... Realize going into this how actually sick we are and how drained emotionally and physically we actually are before I really feel before even we dive into infertility, right like yeah we're basically we're, we're infertile before we start trying yeah. for the most part because I mean I'm pretty sure I was infertile at like eighteen. I had a lot of unprotected sex with my boyfriend at the time, and I never got pregnant, and now I know why. <laughs> yeah. Like, awful to say, but it's just like, man, that's crazy that it really shows you how important your health is. Most people think 18, you weep, bam, wham, you should be pregnant because of your age, but it wasn't until I was like 35, 36 that I was actually fertile.
2: Yeah, the body, it is kind of like what's happening in there. And basically, as you say, like pushing it with, with medication doesn't, it's not getting to the underlying issue.
1: So now you are definitely on a mission just like I am to help your community because infertility is a quite a big community, but there's definitely, you know, there's different reasons for infertility. And that's what sucks about IVF. It feels like everyone just gets pushed down that, like first try IUI and then try IVF. If that doesn't work, donor eggs. You know they have a specific, you know, thing. But for us, on a functional side, we're like, okay, where are you in your physical being, your mental being? And I mean, for the most part, like we we, we definitely focus on diet, you know, meditation, slowing down, all those things. But there's different ways of getting there for everyone. And. Who's kind of, who are you trying to support the most now?
2: Yeah, like it's really as it's, so it's like people with similar to me. So a, a POI or POS, premature ovarian insufficiency or premature ovarian failure, low AMH. So people that are you know being told it's got a very low success rate of, of IVF even working, um, diminished ovarian reserve which can be of any age actually, and also donor eggs. So if you've made the decision, sometimes it's like, you know what, I don't want to go through all these things to, you know, if you have to go to IVF and you, you just made the decision for donor eggs, but you still, it's only an average of 50% success rate of donor eggs working. So you still need to do the work to prepare your body. So mm-hmm. focusing on those areas is where I'm, I'm passionate about and really you know, it's seeing myself, I coach many, many women at, you know, in the, in their late twenties, like me that were diagnosed with the POF or POI and being like, oh wait, all these healing opportunities for them to dig into. And, you know, we use the testing, like food sensitivity testing, hormone testing, using urine, stool testing, looking at the DNA of the stool and then the hair tissue mineral analysis testing, and then looking at blood chem to not to diagnose, but to educate and see what, you know, what's been missed and addressing those those issues and themes that we see are like the chronic stress is a huge one chronic stress we see that and we see autoimmune issues with with i think with poi there's a a fifth of the people with poi have an autoimmune disease so we see that going together and if you have one you have a higher risk of getting another one so we see that we see um like blood sugar issues. So after you're eating, your blood sugar is bouncing all around. We see uh, food sensitivities. We, uh, we see a very high sensitivity when, uh, when we're doing our testing and right now in the States, we like the Zoomer test. We are seeing a high sensitivity to gluten. So non-celiac gluten sensitivity, even if you've had tested negative with celiac disease, which only te- tests for four proteins in gluten and there's over, over 60. So non-celiac gluten sensitivity, we see that a lot. And then the gut infections, we see people with multiple gut infections and then passing infections back and forth to their partner and thyroid, like that's a theme we see all through it with either hypothyroidism, subclinical thyroid issues. So it's the gut, the conversion issues there. And then also um, uh, Hashimoto's, so undiagnosed Hashis. I just had someone actually we work with and she just announced she was four months pregnant and she came to us when she had unexplained infertility and when we dug further, oh, she actually had Hashimoto's. So it wasn't so unexplained and worked on, on healing that. And she was able, she had her first, her first IVF was successful. So she's four months pregnant. So that's not unexplained. Like if you got an autoimmune disease and she was a nurse and, you know, so it's been missed. She, like, she knew what to look for, but in the functional side of things, just digging deeper and not, and no one had pulled a full panel for her a full thyroid panel. Yeah. Looking at the thyroid is huge. And then the mental emotional side of things, if there's trauma or uh, not not even absent, it's like sometimes for sure with an infertility diagnosis, especially one where you're told that, you know, potentially donor eggs are your only option. Like that is a traumatizing diagnosis and it is how you frame it. I framed it that I felt bad for other people that had to go through years of fertility treatments because I could just pick the donor eggs and off I went. So that's how I framed it many people that I speak to, that's not the case. This is devastating. And, you know, not having, being able to have your own biological child. I have blocked out some of that stuff. I'll say to my husband, what did I think? He's like, no, you were, you were upset. You wanted to have, you know, the biological thing. You're wondering if, you know, you're going to bond with the, I was going to bond with the child and things like that. So I get a lot of questions about, about my experience with donor eggs, which is more common now
1: yeah it's it's really common and uh, you know it's a great technology and it is amazing what we are able to do but at the same time it is something that you know people are just pushed towards too instead of taking too soon like right
2: but like there is a thing though like i do if you're if you are mentally there and i coach people on this where they're like you know what i just i don't want to make any of these other health changes anymore and they're and they they've been told, the problem is you've got Western medicine, the conventional doctor saying there's no hope, even though on the the functional side, we're like, hang on. So it is that belief. So if you don't believe it's going to work and that's for you, then I support the person, you know, where they are. But there's a lot of mindset piece on this and people feel, feeling their bodies betrayed them and they feel broken is very common. And being able to process that grief and, and, and pain
1: there's so much to encompass. And like you say, you have to start where you are. You don't feel like, you know, you have to jump into, you know, a full lifestyle of, you know, meditating and yoga and full AIP and all that, you know, we definitely did not. And that's not what, you know, suggests to anyone. It's really just taking some steps back and really looking at your body as one and then start slowly working to the ultimate goal of incredibly fertile you know and then for the most part i believe if that is your goal the baby comes along you know after that in various different ways
2: yeah especially we coach many type a's like busy professionals and they sometimes will take on the the functional side of things like the diet and lifestyle then they go uber on that that's just you know equally if you're like give me the supplements and let's do the diet perfectly. And, you know, all that, it's a whole other thing. So it is to be able to, you know, you're allowed to take breaks. You, you're allowed to put yourself first. You're allowed to say, no, you, you know, the, the working piece, uh, since I'm coaching busy professionals, like if you're working more than 50 hours a week to be able to slow down there. And yeah, we, I, that's a huge issue. Actually, people that I work with, they're, they're working long, long hours. Yeah. And it's just
1: mental. I'm sure that you can say the same thing through your journey. I mean, I worked 40 hours a week and had a life on top of that and did IVF on top of that. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, I look back and I'm like, oh my God, (laughs) like, WTF. And I decided to quit my job before my first frozen embryo transfer. So I didn't do my three frozen embryo transfers. I was lucky enough to not have to work. And like most people who know this, follow this podcast is a miscarriage, a baby, a miscarriage. So it wasn't like not working is the answer because that is not the answer. But I can tell you surviving those three frozen embryo transfers, my body was just so much better, well-equipped to cope with what I was going through because I had the time to take care of myself, especially after those miscarriages. I think many, many people going through infertility don't realize how much their 40, 50, 60 hour work week is having a huge impact on their fertility, you know, because we're just not taught that.
2: Yeah. And not able to even take, like people not even to take time for lunch. Who says you can't take time for lunch? Take time for lunch. Take your breaks. You don't need to accept every invite that comes in, you know, into your inbox. You can say no. You can decide to delegate. There's there's ways around there, and and if the if the job's not working for you, then maybe maybe you don't need to stay. So many people stay because they stay there because they they want to leave when they get pregnant, or they're they wanted the benefits, and they're actually in a job that they it's like they don't like it. It's soul sucking, and they're actually more than done. And so you're. Spending you know forty fifty hours a week there and and that's depleting you and you, maybe you're in a toxic work environment your boss is not supportive your coworkers are driving you bananas you know now that some of us are working at home it can be a little easier it could also be worse for some people more isolating right? and you know people I'm not a, be able to talk to anybody
1: I'm just thinking back through all my clients just going back real quick and I I can almost say with certainty almost a hundred percent of my clients hated their job yeah. Like it is definitely on the top of most people's list dealing with infertility that they actually hate the place that they probably spend the most time.
2: Mm -hmm. And what? How is that impact? Like that's a stressor. So it's not about quitting your like it's not about quitting your job, but it's like wait a minute, how do you then reframe what that job is doing for you? You know, to to really look at things differently and what and how do you have it work for you? And maybe you're see yourself. You know what? I'll try for. Six months, and then at that point on their leave, you need to have kind of like a plan in place where you're like, otherwise, it just slips by and you can still
0: be there.
1: Can you let our listeners know where they can find you, Sarah? Yeah, they can find me on the
2: Get Pregnant Naturally podcast. It's on iTunes and Spotify. And I also offer a free fertility diet challenge. They can get that at fertilitydietfreebie.com. That's fertilitydietfreebie.com. And it's filled with chef prepared recipes that they could start making with their partner right now. So you'll be able to eat foods that are really nourishing for your body and preconception health.
1: Yeah, it sounds amazing. And I want to kind of make clear, me and Sarah do really, really similar health coaching, but what Sarah does as well is couples coaching. So I don't do any male fertility issues. Um, I always say that your partner can Support you and do your changes along with you, but Sarah's coaching—he gets tested and he is do—he has to do everything with you. There's no ifs, ands, and, and buts. So if you have a partner that is willing and able, or you know, really wants to do this with you, I definitely look up Sarah's services.
2: Awesome, thanks so much.
0: Yeah,
1: my pleasure. Have a wonderful day and listeners, please have a wonderful weekend and we will see you next Friday with another episode of Finding Fertility.
0: Thank you once again for tuning in to the Finding Fertility podcast. If you're loving this podcast, please leave us a rating and review and let us know how this podcast is supporting you to get steps closer to creating your dream family. I hope you have a beautiful weekend and we will see you next Friday for another episode of the Finding Fertility podcast.